0: Support goal by Harlow Clevel if he's sharing up The Bermatop First blood to Spurs And Defoe all the way
1: And to OVB Sammy Danny Rose on his Premier League debut And it's Gareth Wales night once again Stoppage
3: time Fallon Nielsen has scored
1: Hello there guys and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Now firstly, before we bring you an hour of attempted therapy, just a reminder for those out there that don't know already that The Last Word on Spurs is entering the Football Blogging Award. So if you do enjoy listening to both of the shows on a weekly basis, you enjoy the panel we have on, this is your chance to tell us just how much you've loved our work and you love the shows and we have to say, we've been overwhelmed by the support we've had for the show since we've got going now over a couple of seasons ago. Now, to vote, all you need to simply do is tweet. I am voting for at last word on Spurs in at the FBAs for hashtag the best podcast. Or you can vote for the show on the website of www.org footballbloggingawards.co.uk and then you can vote for the last one on Spurs as your favourite podcast. Again guys, we appreciate all the nominations and it's just the opportunity for you guys to tell us hopefully how much you love the show. Anyway, enough of that. Hope you enjoy the show coming up. We have got back on the panel Vasconi from Hotspur America who is joined by Dan from Yidvids and Carl from Lily White Spurs as we try and reflect on a really disappointing result against Southampton and just where our top four battle is at. Enjoy the show, guys. Hopefully it gives you just that little bit of therapy you need for the next hour. Joining me on the couch, should I say, for this one, delighted to have on the show Vas Coney from Hotspur America. Vas, how are you keeping?
3: Yeah, all good, thanks, Rick. Nice to be back with you.
1: Lovely. Now, I've got no Jason tonight, Vass, so I'm hoping you are going to be our voice of reason. Is that fair? Can I say that?
3: You can say it, mate. I don't know if I live up to it, though. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try my best.
1: Thank you very much. Now, joining Vass, we've got two more returning guests to the last one on Spurs. We've got Dan from Yidvids. Dan, how are you?
0: Good evening, all. Uh, Yeah, it's good to be back again. I think it's been a few months, so... It seems to always get me on after we've lost, which is really annoying. Dan, it's not my fault. It's not your fault. No, I don't blame you. I promise.
1: (laughs) Thanks very much. (laughs) Joining Dan and Vass. we're delighted to have Carl from Lily White Spurs back on the show. Carl, how are you? Uh, I'm
2: good, Ricky. I seem to be in the same boat as Dan, though. I'm always here (laughs) after we've lost.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So what I need to do Chaps in future is just manage diary a little bit better and just try and get your games where I thought we would win. But to be fair, Southampton away, we should... This was a game I thought on paper, and you should never put it on paper, we should be winning this game. Shouldn't we, Vess?
3: We should be. We needed to be. And after 45 minutes, I would have thought it looked like we would be. (laughs) But um, we've had too many games this season where the performances have only lasted 45 minutes as opposed to 90. And we seem to have got unstuck yet again.
1: How do you make it up, Vass? Because you know, this Spurs team, they beat Borussia Dortmund in Germany, who are the Bundesliga leaders, advanced to the Champions League quarterfinals, then we lose to one of the, the worst teams in the Premier League. I mean, it's almost classic Spurs in a way, Vass.
3: It is. I don't know whether this is um, Champions League hangover that we are suffering from. Um, I, I don't look back actually yesterday as to our performances following Champions League games. And it looks like after sort of a dis- disappointing draw in Einhoven we we then lost to City. Um after a big win versus Inter at home, we then lost to Arsenal. After a big win versus Dortmund, we went lost to Burnley. After our second big win versus Dortmund, we went and lost to Saints. Um earlier in the season we had a big win at Man United and went to loss to Watford. It just seems once we have a big win we we just kinda go flat the following fixture and Yeah, I don't know whether that's just complacency or tiredness or what, but certainly the attitude wasn't right in the second 45 minutes um, against Southampton on Saturday, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, and Dan, I mean, Spurs we were dominant for that first half. You could even argue for 60 minutes. You saw the way we played in that first half. You know, Ali immediately coming back into the team, he seemed to invigorate Ericsson, Kane. But ultimately, again, we did fail to take so many chances and it came back to bite us and not for the first time this season. You know, we've seen this happen against Watford, Wolves and now Southampton. And you could argue that you saw, you know, especially in that second half, that Southampton were at it and we couldn't cope. And Pochettino didn't really do much to change the game. What did you make of the performance and the result?
0: Well, to be honest, before the game, I was a bit worried what Vass was saying about... Um sort of complacency after a Champions League game but then as soon as we started I think first 10 minutes I thought oh actually we're really up for it we're right up for it I think Kane missed a couple of chances where I think I mean they weren't sitters but you expect him to do a little bit better with and at 45 minutes I was you know I don't want to say feet up but I was I was watching it at home and just thinking oh yeah we're really at it we've kind of turned a corner here maybe that that win in Dortmund you know sort of seed off the last three results in the league but then even, even the second half, when they came at us a little bit, and I thought, oh, do you know what? We'll right. We need another goal. We need another goal. We'll get one more. We'll probably be safe. But then, as soon as they scored, you just knew exactly what was happening. And uh, we just looked toothless after that. We didn't know. I, I, I can't remember a real chance we had, to be honest, after 60 minutes. And whether that was um, tiredness from the Champions League, because I think how many players played? About seven players played both games. I, I'm not sure. But it's yeah, the, the, the last half an hour was, was atrocious.
1: It's hard to argue with that, to be honest with you, Dan. Coming over to you, Carl, the Spurs' is top four place now, I mean, it looks in very serious danger, particularly when you look at the fact we've got Liverpool to come next to Anfield. It's a third loss in four games. Champions League former side, Carl, we do seem domestically in free-fall, and Pochettino now faces a huge task, to try and put it right, and you can only argue that Ali's return was the only positive from the game. How did you see events on Saturday at St Mary's?
2: Uh yeah I I definitely agree with the um sort of Champions League hangover. Um it did seem that sort of, the attack was in was like in great form. Um I think Ali's definitely bringing out the best in sort of, Kane, and Erickson, sort of, in the first like 45 minutes. Um but you could still see that the defense was like very much frail. Um I mean the first goal was pretty much an absolute joke. Um so it does seem that Ali gave a little bit of a boost but once that sort of his return worn off um we looked very weak and sort of we almost like completely rattled in the premier league at the moment um and so it's going to be sort of a big task to get everybody motivated again i think it's very easy to sort of um get motivated for the Champions League game so it's always a big night but i think in the premier league he definitely has to change something and sort of change the mentality there. like Top four was never guaranteed and I think we took it for granted that that we thought we had such a lead and we've now blown that. So things would definitely have to change if we want to secure a top four place.
1: Guys, we've got a load of questions in from you this week, over 78. So I can't thank you enough, as always, for getting in touch with The Last Word on Spurs. If you want to put your question to the panel, all you need to simply do is tweet us at LastWordOnSpurs and we'll try our best to read your question out to the panel we have on a weekly basis. Now, this one, Vass is from LWOS, Tottenham Hotspur, at THFC Football Co. He says, my question is this. Spurs have now nearly blown a 10-point advantage in that top four. If Spurs finish outside the top four this season, just how much of a disaster could it be considering that Europa League football would lead to a half-empty stadium on Thursdays?
3: Yeah, it'd be pretty disastrous, wouldn't it? Um, I know we've had the age-old conversation about whether we prefer Champions League or winning the trophy. Um, And this is the reality now. You know, this is where it hits... You know, if we'd have had the League Cup in the bag, how, how would we be feeling right now We're at the risk of dropping out the top four? I know everyone says that we should be aiming for both, and that's absolutely fine. But it shows to me the importance of finishing top four for the future pr- prosperity of our club. We've had three consecutive seasons in the Champions League now. We need to make it a fourth, particularly with going back into the new stadium. So dropping out of the top four now is, is really doesn't bear thinking about. But then if you've had a, a month like we've had, where we've only got one point from possible 12, it's going to catch up on you and, and other teams have caught up with us. So it's down to us now to to make sure that we fight and we qualify for the Champions League for next season
1: now and we've got another one in here loads of questioning guys as i said again so thank you so much this is to you dan this is from c e yball who says how can this club be so consistently inconsistent we go from one end of the spectrum to the other within a matter of days <sighs>
0: that's, that's Tottenham Hotspur for you we <laughs> have always been like this <laughs> i don't know how old he is but get used to it um no to be honest we've actually been a lot better recently i mean even even whilst um, how good we are now compared to what we were 10 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I think what Pochettino said about maybe taking 10 years to change the mentality of the club, I mean, I can't tell you the science of it or why, but there does really seem to be something in the club where we're not quite at that level that the other top teams are um, in terms of used to winning and used to... I don't know what the word is, challenging really, but... I don't know. You've stumped me a bit, really. <laughs> I don't really know. It's so hard. I mean, even this one here, Carl, for you.
1: This is Stephen Vinson at Stevie V14. He says, why are we the way that we are? And Daniel Paris says, what have we all done in the previous life to care about Spurs? I mean, uh, very hard to ask that one, Carl, but we're having to face it.
2: Uh, I, I don't know. Must have done something absolutely terrible. <laughs> but, um <laughs> It it really is an absolute roller coaster when it comes to Spurs. Like uh, it's amazing how you go from like all the amazing projects that's going on around the club and Pochettino um always talking about this ongoing project and that he's changing the mentality at the club. But it always seems to sneak back in just as you sort of get your, your hopes up. So you think like one minute we're cruising and could be challenging for a title, um the next minute it's like maybe we'll get a third or fourth. So It's just the way Tottenham seems to be. Like um, we we want it to change, but then you also look at and you go, "This is everything I've known as a Spurs fan." So um, it's it's both fun and frustrating at the same time. So hopefully we'll get over the line someday, but I don't know. Things have to change.
1: Mm. I think you're right that things do have to change at some point. And Vass, you know back to that Southampton game, especially the second half. You know we're going to analyse the game as a whole. Within the show, but suicidal defending from Spurs, you would argue in that second half, with almost an acceptance that Southampton were going to get back into that game. And to switch off at half time, and you'd argue maybe the players thought it was won, isn't that purely wrong against a team that are battling to survive in this league?
3: Yeah, games are never won, Rick, and we found out to our cost. I mean, we had the same attitude against Watford and Wolves, which I think you may have mentioned already, Uh, and again, on Saturday with Southampton being one nil up does not mean that you've seen the game out. Um, I was watching Manchester city game on Sunday versus Watford and they were three, one up with three minutes to go and they were still playing like it was nil, nil. And that's sometimes the difference. Now, I don't know whether we got tired because of our exertions on Tuesday. Um, Dele and, um, Eric Dyer only just back as well. Uh, Lucas was a bit of a non-factor again, but it just seemed that we, we, we just sort of fizzled out yet again. And I, I think Pochettino was right to point to complacency, possibly a little bit of arrogance. And we're not that team yet. We, we haven't got enough um, uh, history of doing it and, and getting there to, to suddenly take our foot off the gas and assume that we're just going to get to the end of the game and cruise. But we, we need to be scoring goals, we need to be creating chances and we need to be punishing teams and we're just not doing that.
1: Mm. I mean, Dan Vass alluded to it there. You know, it, it's nine defeats in the league if that isn't bad enough alone, but especially when it's one point from 12 and you also consider we've been one nil up after 17 minutes and still can't see the games out against Watford, Wolves and now Southampton. I mean, it does tell you a lot about the mentality of this group of players we've got at the club. I mean, it just simply isn't good enough, Dan, is it?
0: But See, I think... I think I'm going to stick up for the players a little bit in a way that I think the big money, the clubs that spend big money usually spend the big money on players with a certain type of skill, obviously, but mentality. And the one thing that this team hasn't been built with is that winning mentality elsewhere. I mean, there's a few of our players that have won um, a lot of competitions in Holland or abroad somewhere, but there's also a lot of players that haven't really won anything yet and haven't really really challenged yet and i think that's that's one thing you can stick up for them for is that maybe they need something around them that has been there and has got through it before mm. um to sort of guide them really
1: it's funny you said dan because we've got a question here from Sri rare who says do you think it's necessary to bring in a player with an ego and leadership who drags it out of the others this could have been prevented simply by a leader on the pitch or telling them to pick up the intensity. Why does the trend of always bottling a winnable game after a great performance keep on
0: repeating? Will these players ever learn, this group? Well, well, the thing is, I think we've got big big players, as in Kane and and Di. We've got a lot of, you know, uh, Yan. even. We've got a lot of players who are good leaders. However, I don't... I'm not sure I really see them as the sort of people that are going to really kick up a massive fuss on the pitch and you know really drive the team on and I, to be honest I don't think Pochettino really likes um, whether it's just because he hasn't got any money or whether you know he likes a different sort of squad harmony but he doesn't really like those massive personalities
3: so, I don't think it has to be a massive yeah. personality sorry to interrupt but That's all right. no, no, we, 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 we just need someone to sort of dish out the bollockings sometimes <laughs> yeah. and when the games are running away from us when the intensity from the opposition increases like it did against the Saint, uh, Southampton on Saturday, like it did against uh, Watford away when the tempo and the temperature of the game started to rise, um, we didn't react. We, we remained flat. And even on Saturday, oh, I'm sure you might come onto this, Rick, um, Ward Prowse's free kick was taken about 15 yards further forward than from where it should have been. And we, not one of our players was in the referee's face to tell him that that free kick should be further back or whatever. Not that it would have maybe not made a difference, but somebody out there needs to take um a lead and it, it may not be a question of getting uh an ego in, but we need possibly someone with a bit more experience than what we have in our squad currently.
0: Yeah, have yeah, to jump in on that quick. Um I think the reason why no one did did get in the referees face is probably because let's be honest, Walker piers probably should have been sent off. <laughs> okay, to try and avoid the situation. Maybe. Yeah. But but you're right, you are right. Yeah.
1: Do you know what, again, so many questions around this topic. I mean, Habib Hayat says, are we lacking leaders? Poch is not one to bring in players with a strong personality in the squad as they can be disruptive. True. But the price for that is the lack of leadership. The art is to find the balance. Currently, we only have players who are too nice and those that just simply say yes. Do you think that's true, Carl, to a degree?
2: Uh, yeah, i definitely say that's true. Because um, I, I think uh, Poch Dino's idea of a squad is you sort of are all on the same level and you all grow together. So that's why in recent years I've not been too concerned about players leaving and going elsewhere because they're all there together as like this squad harmony. But it means that you have sort of Lloris as the captain and then sort of you see Kane and maybe Tong and they're in behind but sort of everyone else is still at that same level. So it's not always about like I have the final word. It's they all have the same idea together. But it does mean that you do lack that leadership in sort of key moments where you sort of look around and go, Who is that, you know, figurehead who is gonna just grab the game by the scruff of the neck and put us over the line? So I mean, we still got like our superstars such as um Addy and Kane, but I think that's created by people from the outside rather than within the squad. So it's, still, it's not like the days where Gareth Bale will step up and you just know give the ball to him.
1: Now, a lot of questions, guys, surrounding the team from the weekend and Pochettino's selection. Now, we should say firstly, Deli Alli made his return to the Spurs team, along with Danny Rose, who came back in on the left back slot. There were also starts for Carl Walker Peters at right back and in midfield for both Dyer and Mora. Toby Odeverold and Serge Orya are both rested, not injury related for either. Now, what did you make of that team, Vass? Because there are many that will argue that resting Alderweireld, Oria and Son, when we have a three-week break coming up, didn't make much sense. Did it make sense for you, Vass?
3: Look, I wasn't overly concerned when the team came out. And I suspect a lot of our grievances subsequently have come with the benefit of hindsight. Had we won that game, as we should have done, uh, given the first-half performance then, you know, it wouldn't have been an issue. I don't think we'd be talking about team selection. But as it's turned out, of course, we do need to look at the thing over 90 minutes. Um, look, everyone prefers Danny Rose at left back to Ben Davies, so I can't see that anyone has any complaints with that. Uh, Son's been looking really jaded, and he hasn't really performed since uh, Harry Kane came back in the team. So maybe Lucas coming in quite fresh wasn't um, a bad move. Eric Dyer in for Harry Winks was had like a no option replacement because Winks was injured and we rotated the full backs but we couldn't rotate Trippier because um he's got some kind of glute problem I understand so it, we rotated um with uh, Kyle Walker Peters I personally would have played Aurier again So that just leaves uh, Toby being dropped. But, I mean, playing Vertonghen and Sanchez against the Southampton attack should not have been a problem, especially with Dyer in front of them, who kept dropping in to make it look like a three anyway. So um, the team selection... Shouldn't have been a problem, but ultimately it was because of the result, I think.
1: Yeah, again, loads of questions around it. And Vass, will stick with you. This is from Elliot William Baker, who says, What I miss most from the 16-17 season isn't necessarily Prime Dembele or the Walker and Rose combination. What I miss is exactly knowing who was in our best 11. This season, even if everyone is fit, I don't think I could tell you. Could you, Vass?
3: But that's the thing, that everyone hasn't been fit. We have been since the start of the season. We had like nine players out straight away, um, and it's just been an ongoing series of missing players through injury. I mean, have we played our best eleven so far this season? I mean, assuming we know who the best eleven are. That's I'm, the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm I, that's think, like, I think. We, <laughs> yeah. I I, I I think we do. I mean, we know that it's Vertonghen, um, Aldevarial, maybe Sanchez if we're playing a three. Fullbacks of maybe Rose and let's say Trippier, although I prefer Aurier. Midfield, you're looking at Sissoko, Dyer. You know, up front, Ericsson, Deli, Winks, Kane, and then yeah, or Winks or Dyer. Mm. Up front, you're looking at uh, Ericsson, Kane, Deli, and um, Son. So, you know, that would be our probably our eleven. I don't know, I don't know that we've been in a position to field them all. Mm. All
1: season. Again, loads of questions around the team selection. Dan, another one here from Jack Evans who says, the reason we keep losing is we change the team so much. We now have a three-week break, so there was no need to make so many changes in such an important game. Do you agree with that, Dan? Do
0: you know what I do? But the, uh, I think I think what, what some people forget, not necessarily that guy, but anyone, um, is that a lot of effort goes in with the doctors to work out about percentages of fitness and risk of injury. I'm not trying to give Pochettino any sort of slack by saying the doctors might have come up with it but they do test the players constantly and if ader was I don't know a slight you know higher risk of injury than you know than normal you can kind of understand why that might have happened um the science in between in the science um, with the players is so high now that you know sometimes that doesn't really get factored in when the fans just say oh three weeks break three weeks break but really aard might have played you know, eight games in the last month or whatever it is. Um, In fairness,
3: Toby's probably our only player this season that has barely had a break.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that's true. And to be fair, like you said there, Chaps, I mean, the team we've put out is good enough to beat Southampton. I think we have to reiterate that. And the fact that we're only talking about this is because the result didn't go our way. I think if we win the game, no one really discusses the team. And everything, like I say, is magnified one a million times more because of the result and the manner of the performance. And just, again... To bring it over to you, Carl, just in relation to the team, Callum Wilson says, why can't we keep the same team out there? City rotate because they can and because they have actual talent on the bench. Our first eleven is strong and beyond that, we're dead. This has been coming. Do you agree with that, Carl?
2: Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to. Well, to some extent anyway, um, because yeah, our first team... First 11, um, they can match anyone on their day. So, obviously, you want to play them sort of week in, week out. But, again, you've got to look at that Southampton's fine relegation. So, you think you could rotate a few players and, you know, rest the key players. And, yeah, we have like a three-week break. But, I mean, if you look at the injuries we've had throughout the season, a lot of players have been out for like five or six weeks. So, if you had played hard Ardvar- Ardvar- or Aurier um, and they picked up injuries well then we'll be like criticizing them for um for not resting them so uh you, you see, in these type of games we could rotate them players and have enough to go over the line so um but again in that first half if we'd just taken uh two or three other chances we'd have been three 0 a lot by half time and we wouldn't have even been discussing this but Like, you want to keep your strongest players on the pitch all the time, but that's just not possible for, you know, the entire season. So the rotation is necessary, but if we want to do it, we're probably going to
0: have to increase our debt. Spurs have a three-week break, but let's not forget that there's two qualifiers coming up that pretty much all of our players will play. I'd argue both games in, especially Kane and a lot of the Belgian lads. So it's it's not just the Spurs break. There is going to be games there for the players to play in. The only teams that have managed to play a consistent lineup in the
3: last few seasons have been Leicester when they won the league and Chelsea when they won the league. And both of those times, neither team was in Europe. You know, we we've had to battle against this consistently for the last three seasons. It's just a shame that we were the only chasers in the pack for those two successful teams ultimately when we had European football and they didn't. So they could play the same 11 week in, week out. You can't do that in the modern game. You can't play the same 11 week in, week out anymore. You have to rotate and as Dan said earlier, sports science now is is advanced to such a degree that players need a breakdown again. The only difference we've got at the moment is that we're competing against the likes of Man City, uh, Chelsea and the like, who have over time, built squads of a much higher calibre than ours. So it's just unfortunate that this is where we are at the moment. But it's part of our progression.
1: Yeah. And Carl, you know, talk about players that need a break or have had a break, and looks like he will be getting another one. Is Humin Son, and again, we find out on the Monday, he's going to be travelling once again later this month with South Korea because he's been called up for home friendlies against Bolivia and Colombia, March 22nd and March the 26th. I mean, he's not a machine, is he? And you just wonder... <laughs> it's, hmm. it's very hard for the guy to keep on this commitment for his country and for us. I mean, we accept that it's part of the fact of him being a Spurs player that he will be part of that South Korean setup and he's integral to those guys but I mean he has not really had a break at all this season you can understand why he does have this form where one minute he's on fire the next minute he isn't up to the top of his game because he's continually having to juggle his commitment with Spurs and his commitment with his national country
2: yeah exactly so I mean it's it's almost like he's competing in like six or seven different fronts when we're competing on four that's it so it's it's like but I mean it's great we've got um Ali back so at least with um with son is that he's been having to give like a thousand percent every game to fill in when Kane and Delhi and also Ericsson hasn't been quite in the hit like the heights he's capable of but I mean now that, sort of Dele's coming going back we, we can maybe son can get a bit of a rest but if he then keeps coming off with his national side he's just coming back more tired anyway so like rather than Having to force him to play 90 minutes every time, maybe he can get like, you know, the last half an hour or something. Um, Because I I reckon he can be great. So there's an impact at the end of games. But again, he's just being run into the ground at this rate. And again, I don't think he's had a rest in almost like two years now. So he can really do it for break. And hopefully, when players come back from injury, um, he can get a bit of a rest then. But it's not benefiting us at the moment.
1: No, and you talk about, we talked about the first half there, you mentioned Ali's impact, and Vass, to be fair, we, we saw that in the first half, because Kane slid home Ali's pass for the first goal, it was actually the third time Ali had played him in, in that opening half hour, and you could tell how much Harry Kane was delighted to have Ali back in the team, and I said at the beginning of the show, you could argue that Ericsson, for that first hour, looked invigorated by the return of Ali, the two... Kane and Ali linked up for a couple of chances in that first half, created by the midfielder. I mean, it is such a strong partnership that Kane and Ali do have, and we saw that for the first goal. Kane's 200th senior goal for both club and country took it really well, and that's, we hope that would be a springboard for the rest of the game.
3: Yeah, indeed. Um, the only thing that was a bit of a negative for me was these chances were coming and going, and we didn't seem... Too annoyed about it. (laughs) They're like smiling and, oh, well, we'll go again, kind of thing. But, um, yeah, it's no question that Delhi makes a difference for us uh, and he definitely has a great link-up and understanding with Kane. So hopefully that will blossom. Um, Ericsson's been a little off the pace for a number of games recently and it's no wonder that our form's sort of suffered as a result because he does make us tick when he's on form. So Delhi coming back hopefully will be good for him as well. So hopefully the the whole front line will, will start firing again and as one of you guys said earlier, you know, if we'd have took our chances against Southampton on Saturday, we wouldn't even be talking about a defeat now. And this is the this is the problem. We we're not capitalising on on this and we're not scoring more than one goal and for as long as it's only one nil, the other team has always got a chance, hasn't it? Yeah.
1: I mean, again, Dan, how important is it to have Ali back now? Because we saw in the first half alone that his impact was massive on the team. You know, Second half, we're going to come on to tactics, substitutions, lack of maybe, and how we could have managed the game better. But for the rest of the season, Ali, to have him back now, it's crucial, isn't it?
0: Well, absolutely, yeah. One, he's a goal threat. He's a massive goal threat. He scores a lot of goals from his position. And two, I think he sets the balance of the team a lot nicer than, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were playing Kane and... Uh, Son and and Mora next to him and I think Ericsson has to drop back and be forward but with Ali there Ericsson can drop back and sort of dictate a lot of play because I thought actually to be fair to him he played a lot better the other day Um, especially for the first half creating some chances Um, but yeah Ali I mean, what can you say maybe he's not completely world class but he's nearly as good as we've got um, going forward and even in England really brilliant player
1: true wonderful player and Carl just your thoughts on Ali the importance of having him back in this team we saw from that 45 minutes alone, you know, just him, the link-up play. We're going to hope this will invigorate Ericsson after this three-week break because there's no doubt about it. Spurs are at their best when Ericsson is purring, along with Kane, along with Son. I mean, it's crucial that Ali's reintroduction to the team is going to boost this side generally now. We've got a huge Champions League quarterfinal coming up, which we're going to wait to see the draw on Friday. You know, Ali's return now has come at a really pivotal time for Spurs in the season.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just when when you've got when you've got Delhi in the team, um, he just occupies other players. So um, I think he's seen as more of a threat by the opposition um, as opposed to Son or Ericsson because um, he's he's a goal threat. He can create as well. So I think it just frees up Kane a bit more. So that I mean, Kane had like a good nine or ten chances throughout the game. So um, he he was he's seen a lot more of like the goal rather than. Um, dropping back and trying to be the creative player. Um, so, like, fair play to Ericsson as well. He As he dropped back, um, he created a few chances for Kane. And if Kane had just put them away, we'd be saying Ericsson's back in form. So, I know it's all ifs and buts, but it certainly is with, with Daly and the team. We look a more threatening side. Um, I think you saw that with the sort of quick start against Southampton, but we just faded with time. And I think that's just because... Um, Paddy isn't at his 100% yet. Um, but as the game goes on and as he sort of picks up his fitness, I reckon we can definitely finish the season strongly because um, we certainly look more of a threat when he's in the team.
1: Vass, now as we've spoken about, 60 minutes into that game, we would say we're playing playing fairly well. But you would argue that San pressure, you could tell that maybe a goal was coming. And that's where you look to Potatino to make the right changes. And before we do discuss the tactics substitutions, we have to discuss this equaliser and what a mess it was really, I mean Danny Rose let a cross roll between his legs for no real apparent reason, it fell for Valerie behind him to equalise for Southampton I mean, bizarre defending you've got to say Vass, what did you make of the way we considered that goal, I mean it was, it was comical wasn't it?
3: It was indeed comical and our whole back line was culpable um, Carl Walker Peters lost his man, um, allowed the attacker to get across. Sanchez should have cleared it, went through his legs. But Tongan could have stuck a leg out at it, but didn't, so it went past him. And what on earth Danny Rose was doing, I have no idea. I mean, clearly he had no awareness that there was a man behind him, which is poor in any degree. But to try a step over like that, I mean, I don't know whether it was because he didn't trust his own right foot to clear the ball. Um, but he turned and by the time he realised what was going on, it was too late. And then to add um, salt to the, to, to the injury, as it were, um, the guy who came in at the back post to score, he actually kicked it onto his own standing foot and it looped over, looped over um, Hugo. So it was just a joke of a goal, really. Um, uh, unacceptable, really.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was hardly a convincing finish, you know, from from the player himself. But, you know, there's been a lot of criticism, if I'm being honest with you, Dan, for Kyle Walker-Peters, who you know, he dealt with some Redmond breaks really well early on with some silent tackles. But it was his foul, which led to the free kick which Wolf scored from. And he looked shaky later on. What did you make of Kyle Walker-Peters' inclusion? Because there's been a lot of Spurs fans, as we know, that have been calling to see more of him because they haven't been... Well, shall we say, what's the right word here? Haven't been, you know, when you've seen Trippier and Oriya play, haven't been reliable for what they've been like in a Spurs shirt. But Walker-Peters, to be fair, again, when he's come in this season, he hasn't looked ideal. I mean, it's a real concern, this right-back spot, isn't it, for Spurs?
0: Yeah, we've got a massive right-back problem, I think. Um, (laughs) I feel really really torn in criticising him because he hasn't had a ton of football and he is a young Spurs boy. um, And you can tell he loves playing for the club, but... This season I've been especially worried about him really. Every time he's come in, I think, of Barcelona, he had I mean anyone could get rid of part in Barcelona, but he had a really poor start to that game. He played really badly against West Ham, I think, in a to the Carling Cup yeah. away as well. Um how old is he? Is he twenty one? Yeah,
3: he's, he'll he's, be twenty he'll be twenty two soon.
0: Yeah, I mean he's not he's young, he? but he's not yeah, he's not a. he's not a proper young kid. I mean Maybe he needs some football, and I know Pochettino doesn't like any likes sending some of the boys out on loan, but he might be one of the one of them that might need it. I think. I mean, he just looks a bit lost at the moment. He doesn't look quite as confident as as maybe he should, because I think last was it last season he played two games, one man of the match both times. So he's got the talent. I just think. Yeah, he needs a bit, of, just a bit of coaching and a bit of match practice, really.
1: Mm. I mean, Carl, the manner of that equaliser—you know, a top club, you know, looking to you know secure Champions League football—you can't be considered a goal like that. Where, as Vass said, you know, all the back four were culpable in the way we allowed that ball to come in, didn't deal with it, and, he, and so had an equalise.
2: Yeah, exactly, and especially after um, we're going on about our, our own wall in Dortmund. That's right. How yeah. we just yeah. So it's it's why it makes it so easy to go, um, oh, we shouldn't we shouldn't have played Rose, we should have played Davis, or we should have played um Tore. So it it's it's really sort of highlights how you know, how inconsistent we can be that like in the space of a week we've gone from an absolutely world class defensive performance That's to right. yep. conceding a goal like that. So um but yeah, it was there were so many chances to sort of prevent that and so in the lead up to that goal as well, there were so many signs there that like Southampton were getting in behind, and uh, it goes back to sort of that leadership thing that someone should have recognised that and said, you know, just sit a bit deeper, or um, you need to follow your man, just just point it out to someone because um, so many times the, they they go in behind Walker Peters and they it, it looked threatening. I think Redmond like hit the side name twice before um, they eventually got their goal. So yeah, it it just. Guys, that's that leadership and that someone needs to step up and go, you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck and you know, sit in and not concede goals like that. Because that's really what's going to derail the season.
1: Yeah, and talk about derailing the season. Ward Prowse then, you know, later on with a free kick. I mean, it was an unstoppable free kick. That's I know you said earlier that the argument will be that the ball moved a lot further forward for the free kick. But as Jason would be here, he would say, happy birthday to you, Jace, who's not with us tonight. You've still got to defend it, Vass, haven't you? You can't you know, sit there and bemoan the fact that the ball's gone forward. We know that's happened, but you still have to defend it. It's a wonderful free kick. Could we have done anything better? Could we have done anything from that free kick, Vass, to be fair?
3: Yeah, we, sh- we should have defended it, Rick. But, I mean, that how do you defend you uh, yeah, perfect a perfect free kick shot. like that? Yeah, it was, and I think we needed to be mindful because Southampton were. I know they lost to Manchester United the week before, but they were unlucky to lose to Manchester United. So, you know, whilst we've been sitting here saying that we should have won and we could have done this and we could have done that, it was always going to be a difficult game, and they were always going to have a period in the game when they were on top. But that free kick, um, um, yeah, there's there's nothing really you can you can do about that, unfortunately.
1: Now, that's again, loads of questions about the tactics, substitutions. Let me ask you this one. This is from Rad Babani. I hope I pronounced that right. He says, was it obvious that we were tired and Southampton played their tactic perfectly? They knew that we were run out of gas in the second half. Was it Pochett fault for not making the early subs and bringing Son earlier instead of Delhi?
3: Um... Again, I don't know whether we're, re- we're kind of reacting with, with hindsight. I mean, ultimately, we were 1-0 up and he brought Son on for Lucas Mora. So that's a positive substitution, isn't it?
1: You would think so. Yeah, that's a fair uh, substitution. Yeah. Yep.
3: So uh, I would have possibly considered maybe just bringing Lamella on once the, once the tempo of the game started to rise. And as, as Dan said, that uh, um, before we just needed somebody to to sort of like galvanise the team and say you know hey watch out here look they're they're up in the tempo we we need to react as well part of that may well have been down to Poch or as it was Jesus Perez on the on the sidelines because Poch was in the stand um, but it, the, the message should have come from somewhere but I'll, I'll probably have brought the Meller on once we felt the, the game and the tempo going up um, but as for the rest of the substitutions I mean. They were a little bit reactionary because we were chasing the game then. You know, you put Lorente on. I didn't quite understand the Davis and Rose substitution. Maybe Rose got a, a, an injury or something. I'm not entirely sure.
1: Again, loads of questions in here. Dan, another one. I'll throw this one over to you. This is from Justin Psalm. Again, relating to the substitutions, he says, Second loss were outdone by a double sub at half-time. In brackets, also Burnley. Opponents bring on pace. Take advantage of fatigue, especially in our win backs and run over us in the final 45, is this the formula to beating us? And what is our tactical response to it? Ooh. It's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean... Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I suppose I don't know enough about some of the other sides and I can't remember who they bought off Burnley to really make much of a, much of an opinion on it. But I think, I think substitution is a part of the game and I think, Pochettino has got a lot of flack in the past for being a bit reactionary and not doing things quick enough but however I thought in the last few weeks especially at uh, Dortmund especially yeah uh the first game and the second game um he made changes tactically in terms of formation that really helped us win both games so I don't want to say it's, it's just a, not luck but you know, a bit of some sometimes you win and sometimes you don't but I think sometimes his substitutions are a bit sort of um What's the word. Uh, obvious that he, he makes the sort of same ones at the same time every week. But I don't know, really. He's improved a lot,
3: though, Rick uh, Pochettino, yeah. in terms of his in-game management and, and his substitutions. Um, for, for the odd occasions where he gets them wrong, there have been a lot of occasions where he's actually got them right. And his substitutions, his tactical changes uh, this season have actually won us games.
1: Does it have an impact, Vass, him not being on the touchline at all? Do you, do you see that as a, as an issue? It
3: might do, but the players have got to be bigger than that. Of course, they? whether yeah. Pochettino's on the touchline or not, you know, as I um, was, it Dan or Kyle said earlier about the team growing together. Mm. I mean, these players know each other now, so they should be able to feel their way through a game. And if it is starting to get away from them, then they need to respond in kind. Possibly, if they haven't been able to respond, then maybe be tiredness was indeed a factor, and. Because uh, they gave it a bloody good effort against Dortmund on on Tuesday. I know the game was three days later or whatever, but you know you don't know with professional footballers these days and 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 our team. So maybe there was a factor of that, and, mm. and, and teams are exploiting it.
1: Yeah, I mean after the game we saw Pochettino take seat for his. ...post-match press conference... ...where Carl, I want to get your thoughts... ...on some of his comments he made... ...he said, I think it's good now... ...that we're in a battle for the top four... ...that people are going to realise our real level... ...I'm a little bit worried about... ...the change from the first half to the second half... ...is mental... ...it's about arrogance in a bad way... ...it's... ...he also goes on to say... ...it shows we need more... ...we need to increase everything... ...there's been a lot of talk about... ...being in the last step... ...winning some trophies... ...we live in the perception... ...and reality... ...this is the reality... We have two faces, and I mean, Carl. I mean, again, ruthless with his comments there, and he also goes on, goes on to say, maybe this is our limit. It's a little bit sad, but maybe we need to operate in a different way from the start of next season. I think we need more, and we are not there. After five years' work, we need to find a way to make the club better. Now he made similar comments, Carl, if you remember, against Leicester post-match yeah. end of last season. And he's reverting back to them. And we have to also bring into account that Pochettino, since that Leicester post-match comments, he again and again reclarified to say that he didn't mean he wanted new signings. And again, his comments from the weekend, is he referring to new signings there? What is he talking about? Mentality? What have you made of those comments yeah. that he's brought into the public domain there?
2: Um, well, yeah, they're definitely sort of strange comments. Um because I mean, <clears throat>
3: it's,
2: it's strange to say that like we're gonna like realize the level having now gone backwards in the last few weeks. But I think sort of it's a good it's a good place to start by going back to sort of end of our season because this season is was always going to be a very strange one because it's hard to like kick on and grow when we don't have our own home stadium and we're back at Wembley where yeah. none of us are really happy about it. We then haven't made any signings. Um, so it was, it was hard to sort of approach the season by going, yeah, come you know, March, April, we'll be challenging for a title. Because, um, I mean, I, I didn't really believe we'd, we'd be in a title challenge this year. I was just content with getting top four. But I think we've now seen a glimpse that we were possibly capable of that had we... You know put the measures in place at the start of the season so it's it's frustrating to sort of say we could have been competing with man city and liverpool um but it's also as he's saying sort of like a reality check that like we weren't expected to be at that point anyway this season um it's possibly next season when we're back in our own stadium and hopefully we've made a few signings to the to the squad that will sort of be at that level and able we'll to sort of be competing for the Premier League and competing on multiple fronts. But he's sort of just saying we've sort of dipped back to sort of competing for third and fourth rather than first and second. And I think he's just saying that when we went into the season, that's where he thought we'd be at anyway. And with sort of people are now realizing, actually, that's probably the reality for talking at the moment. But we can all live and hope that will grow from then kick on next season. But he didn't expect it to happen this year.
3: Yeah, I think Cole's right. Uh, actually, just um, summarised uh, what, what I was going to say. And that is, he, in some ways, I, I feel a little bit disappointed when he comes out and says this stuff because it gives a bit of a mixed message. But then I don't know whether a lot of it's getting lost in translation. Um, I think, the perception that he's on about is that we are a contender and we are a top team. But then we have moments like this and he comes back to saying, well, the reality is, you know, we're not quite there yet. Um, And it's been five years now and he's been flogging this project that he's on. But it seems as though perhaps things have reached a bit of a plateau and now Mm -hmm. something needs to to change slightly uh, come next season, whether it be through new signings or whether it be through the way we manage players or whether it be through formations and tactics and sports science and etc., we are going to have to maybe do things slightly differently. So it's hard to really pinpoint what, what Pochettino actually means when he starts making these comments. Um, and a lot of it's got to be down to him too, as well as the players. I mean, he's, he's got to learn from what's not going right and, and make adjustments for the following season. So maybe that's really what he's trying to imply, mm. that really we're, we, we look like we're up with the elite, but in reality we're not quite there yet and, and we still got some work to do.
1: Just on the mentality, Dan, SV at San Vigad says, how much has Pochettino's recent questioning of the team's mentality backfired on him? He keeps talking about the mentality not being right when we lose, but it's a common occurrence. Surely this is his responsibility as the leader, No. What I will say, Dan, before you come in there, is Pochettino has recognised the fact that when he does talk about the team, he does include himself in that as a collective,
0: doesn't he? He has been getting a lot more grumpy this year, I think, um, especially after post-match uh, games when things haven't been going right um, uh, and other conferences as well. People mistaking his words. But I think I think he's sort of starting to learn how the media play with his words and to try and adapt to what he says for that. Um, in, in terms of mentality, I think... I think he's not knocking the players as much as he's knocking the club and how we go about it as a as a, as a collective, as a whole, just like you said. Um, and I think that means from Daniel Levy right the way down to how he takes the players, how the players take to his uh, formations, how they take to his tactics. Um, and I think it's quite easy for people to say, oh, he, he wants more money. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for us to go and spend millions of pounds. And I don't think that's what he means. I think, I think that is part of it. I think we have come to a point where... I think he thinks, I'm not doing this again for another year. There's no point in me continually going round and round and round and round with these same players in the same way for years and years and years. Um, but yeah, I just think sometimes people read, I think, a little bit too much into it.
1: Now, guys, we've got a massive battle for this top four now. So we're going to have to discuss that and where we see things are at. Now, as it stands in the Premier League, I'm just going to get up the table here in front of us because we've got a real batter on our hands at the moment, haven't we? Because there's, you know, ourselves, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, all vying to try and get into that top four. And as we discussed at the beginning of the show, we had a 10-point lead to start with, you would say, and it's now kind of diminished after the results. We've seen Arsenal win at the weekend. So at this point in time, we are a point ahead of Arsenal. In third, Arsenal fourth, United on 58 points, Chelsea on 57 where things are at, at the moment, Carl, are you still confident for top four? Do you believe that this break we're having in Barcelona will you know, galvanise these players, bring them back for what's going to be a massive game at Anfield, Liverpool, that are still well within the title race, well within that hunt? Where do you see things now for a top four finish? Because <coughs> what looked like a cast-iron certainty two or three months back is now looking in serious danger.
2: Yeah, as I said it earlier on that the players just seemed to have not been motivated for the past few games. So it seemed that when we had that little slip-up and sort of they weren't going for the title again, um, it, it was almost like a throwback to when we lost out to Leicester and we sort of, you know, just all the tools down and sort of went, right, we've nothing to play for. But I think this little break is where we sort of, they reevaluate and realise, actually, you've still got to fight for this top four spot. It's not guaranteed in any sense. So... I think they can easily motivate themselves for that now and go, look, you still need to stay above Arsenal, Man United, um, Chelsea could come back in. So I think they can sort of pump themselves up for that again. So it's just in recent weeks, it's always looked like the Champions League was what we're still playing for and the Premier League was sort of now a sort of done game. We're not focusing on that. But now that it's become so tight and so close, it's like you have to you know, pump yourself up and go for it again. So I still I'm still confident that we can get a top four spot. Although I was I was always certain there was going to be third and now I'm going, well if we get a fourth then that's all sort of good enough. Mm. So it's it's become very time very close and I had sort of a quick glance at the fixtures um for sort of each each four of the teams and ours do look a bit more difficult than Arsenal's, and then probably a bit more difficult than Man United's. But we've we've still got to play sort of top two teams, and that they're going to be very important results. That if we keep dropping points against teams, then we're definitely going to fall away. So it's going to have to be a very good run to the end of the season.
1: Talk about runs, Vass. I mean, I've got the running here of the other teams, and to be fair, you look at it. Chelsea have to go to Everton, Liverpool, Man United, and Leicester. Arsenal will have to go to Wolves, Watford, Everton, Leicester, and Burnley. United, they've still got to play Wolves, Everton, and still have to face City and Chelsea at home. On the basis of that, you know, you look at our fixtures, what's your thoughts, for us in this top four battle now?
3: Well, there's still a lot of points to be won and lost, and I'm sure that the teams around us will drop points as well. So, as it stands right now, it's in our hands. So we've got eight games left, uh, five of them are at home, three are away. And when I say at home, we're talking about the new stadium. So sixty odd thousand Spurs fans um, got a chance to play a part, hopefully galvanise the team. There really is no room for error. Um, we need to be looking at winning all our home games now. Um, no more messing about. Uh, perhaps if we can pick up some points away at Bournemouth, which won't be easy. And then we've got those two big games away at um, Liverpool and Manchester City. Now, Liverpool's the next game. We're currently on a bit of a break. I think um, the last break we had was before we entered this slump. So I don't know whether that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest with you. But we've certainly got to go to Liverpool and try and walk away with something, even if it's one point. Um, we've got to show our metal, and then we've got to be looking to to win our five home games. I think if we can get six victories out of eight, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that top four will be secure.
0: I was going to say this is this is a terrible mentality to have, uh, and I really hate when people do this. However, if we were in this, if you tell us at the start of the season, or you know, uh, I don't know November, October, whenever that we're going to be third going into eight games to go, we would... Oh, I speak for myself maybe here, but I probably would have taken that. It's just the fact that the last four games have been so bad um, that we're a bit down about it. But, yeah, but like that said, it, it is completely in our hands. We're not in a bad position. And I think the three weeks that we got off now, or the, the one week where they're training in Barcelona, um, we seem to be a better side when we are sort of the underdog and not quite the heavily favoured sort of side. So maybe... It might galvanise them. They might realise that these games against Dortmund and this quarterfinal that's coming up, if they don't pull their finger out in the league, they're not going to happen next year. Well, they're not going to happen at Tottenham next year. So, I've got, even with the last four results, I've still got quite a lot of faith in them you know, turning it around. I'm
1: going to ask you the fact that that we are now finding ourselves in a real battle for the top four, will that maybe spark a different attitude change because the players have clearly struggled to be motivated to consolidate third. And therefore, now with fourth kind of hanging in the balance, that might, as you said, hopefully galvanise them. Something needs to
0: Yeah, Which is what
3: Pochettino said, isn't
0: it? Yeah. In in a way. Yeah, I mean, uh, getting away from uh, sort of our our mentality as well, I think that Man United result uh, midweek was actually a big thing for us because I think they sort of struggled with the same sort of mentality that we did at uh, Southampton against Arsenal on Sunday. And keeping them in that Champions League and they're in the FA Cup as well is a massive advantage for us in terms of their running. And also, we can't forget that Arsenal and Chelsea are both in the Europa League as well, and that competition goes deep. And then from now on, they've been able to rest their players every week for the Europa League because they've been playing farmers from Liechtenstein or wherever. But now, the real they start meet the real team, so they'll have to like stretch their stretch their squads a lot more. It might give us a bit of an even playing field. There might be some freak results in the league. So I think it's definitely all still to play for.
1: And of course, just to kind of finish off on an attempt to finish off on a high, we have got this brand new stadium to look forward to. We've heard last day, last week that the two test events have been confirmed. How much of a lift do you think it's going to give the you know, the squad, the club in general, Carl? Now, it's a big thing for the club now to have these two test events confirmed. We are nearly home. We can smell it. The pitches look incredible. This could be the boost, as we say, to go in to play those five home games at White Hart Lane, at mm. our home. It could prove pivotal.
2: Yeah, it, it definitely could prove pivotal. I think everyone's buzzing about it, and um, sort of the moment we sort of get, you know, sixty thousand fans in there, um, we're gonna, it's gonna give any any team that plays there, like you know, they're gonna be worried. So it's it's gonna get everyone can then get behind the team because I think this. Just been that negative vibe every time you go to um, Wembley. So, our home form has sort of suffered from it. So, I think really the only games you go to Wembley is if if we're winning and like, you know, putting goals um, past teams. Everyone then sort of gets behind it then. But it's the tighter games where, you know, teams sit in and you're like trying to push through. Uh, They're the ones where the fans sort of get behind and act as that 12th man. So, definitely when you're back to the new stadium. Uh, it's going to give the team a lift and that's where it can prove pivotal in results. So hopefully finish the season strongly when we get back to White Hart Lane.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And Vass, do you think the script is written just to secure Champions League football whilst we're at that brand new White Hart Lane? That would be a nice way to end the season by securing that at the new home, wouldn't it?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, we've got to go for it. The fans have got to get behind the team in the home games. I'm sure they will. Uh, but listen, when you've got sixty thousand inside the stadium, if things aren't going well, sixty thousand groans could be just as detrimental. So we've got to hmm. we've got to stay positive. We've got to get behind the team and just um, look to getting them over the line. Uh, and I think we can. So as I said before, and as Dan echoed, it's it's in our hands. Uh, there's no more room for error. We've got to take the next eight games absolutely seriously and, and do our absolute best.
1: Yep. Dan, just a final question to finish off. Um, This is from Paul Wakefield, just on the stadium. He says, would it now, moving into the new stadium before the end of the season, create more problems for the team? It's disruptive, and right now we're going to struggle to finish in the top four. I think the move will push us out and probably end our season in fifth. Dan, give us your thoughts on that. I mean, I disagree. I think this stadium now, the way we're going to move in where we are in the league, this could prove, I think, to be the best thing for the club. I think we need the lift. 60,000 Spurs fans, if you can't motivate yourself for that... All behind the team, buzzing to get in that new ground. It's going to retain such a huge amount of atmosphere. This is what we need, Dan, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I've got. The, yeah, there's two points on that. Our our home record or home in comments record is the worst in the top six. So Wembley isn't an advantage. There's the the, the basic facts there. It can't be worse going into well, it. Could be worse. It can't be worse going to our lane. <laughs> um, and also, as a fan, I have not enjoyed. Well, some people hate me for saying this, but. I have not enjoyed going to Wembley all season. I've probably been less than I've ever been. Um, and I cannot wait to go and watch football in Tottenham with fans around me all cheering the team on rather than a few tourists and a few popcorn eaters and all that. And I'm absolutely buzzing to get back. Yeah. And I think yeah. the players will be too.
1: Chick King would be happy as well, Dan, will not they? All,
0: oh, all, all well, the yeah.
1: pubs, all the regulars will be happy as well to yeah. have us yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, on I'm, way.
0: Yeah, I'm vegan, so I don't go chicken. I asked about a veggie burger, they said no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dad, a year yeah. on, they might have changed. That twelve months on, you never know. There could be in more. Than oh a mate, I've
0: set... got a petition going, mate. Yeah. There you go. Veggie <laughs> burger, at chicken.
1: Love it, fantastic, guys. Thank you ever so much for the therapy. It's been brilliant, Vass. Thank you ever so much for such a coming back on. And just a reminder, they can catch you weekly. Hotspur America, give them a shout on it, Vass. Come on.
3: Yes, uh, Hotspur America pod, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, any Android uh, pod playing app. Look for us, we're out once a week and uh, it's not a bad listen as it goes. We're also on social media, Twitter, at Hotspur America and Facebook as Hotspur America page. So yeah, give us a look in. Pleasure to be on Rick, thanks for having me. Very
1: kind. Dan, thank you for coming back on, always a pleasure having you Dan.
0: Cheers, Rick, mate, up the Spurs.
1: There you go, up the Spurs from Dan. And, Carl, thanks so much for coming back. And I promise you, Carl, we'll have to find a way of getting you on after a win.
2: Oh, hopefully. I'd love it. We, You know, rather than giving
3: therapy, I'd rather be just, you know, celebrating a win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna check, you know, because I think you keep having me on after a defeat as well. So I tell, I you've, three, you've mugged all three of us off. I'm here, sorry, mate. chat.
1: <laughs> blame the team. Blame Pochettino. What can I do? What can I do? Right? Listen, yeah,
3: it's all right, mate.
1: <laughs> guys, thank you ever so much for a wonderful hour. Listen, enjoy the show, guys. We are going to be back on Love Sport this Thursday, taking your phone calls to see where you believe Spurs' season is at. Can we get over the line in the top four? What do you make of Spurs' moving to that brand new stadium? Enjoy the show. And as always, keep the faith and come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: With the Lucky Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This
0: is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to
2: circle up here a while
3: and uh, get
0: lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So
3: I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.